Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you joined me for another episode of Equipped to Be. We're going to talk about listening in episode 16. We talked about the seven tips for listening. And I, I talked on that episode about listening to learn, listening to resolve conflict, and listening to recognize the hindrance, I mean, understanding the hindrances to your listening. So this episode, we're going to talk about listening to resolve conflict. That's an art. It's a science. There's skill involved with that. Now, the last one, we talked more about listening to learn, and we talked about the seven tips that you can do. I hope you've been practicing those seven tips and you're seeing improvement in your relationship. If you aren't, make sure you go back to episode 16. This is episode 17 of the podcast. And let's focus. Let's just dive right in. Listening to resolve conflict. I write about, I, I dedicate an entire chapter and really throughout my entire, uh, throughout the entire book of Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy, I spend a great deal of time on this central topic of listening. And the reason is when we learn to listen and we get good at it, whether it's in our business or whether it's in our relationship with our spouse or our friendships or in, you know, if you go to church or wherever, wherever there's people, let's just say that wherever people are gathered, you know, there are, a, there are um, courses that you can take on listening, listening to manipulate, listening to mirror, listening to label, label listening. Um, you, when you know somebody you can always kind of tell when somebody is a really good listener because you walk away feeling like they're just the most amazing person. But if you ask them why, if somebody were to say, why is that? Why do you like that person so much? What, is, what about that person just, you know, you just says they're just the most amazing person to you. Well, the reason is normally because you'll say, um, I don't know. They just, they listened to me. They listened to what I had to say. They, they asked me questions about who? Me. We all love to be heard. Remember, I've talked about this many times. Besides food and water, we need to be, your children need to be heard and affirmed. And I'm going to go further than that because I've been doing a lot of reading and research lately. And I'm just going to say it's not just the teen years. The teen years is where it's more prevalent because that's where they're really pushing back against the rules that we have laid out, the limits, the boundaries. They're more frustrated when we don't let up and we hold to that rule and to the point where we can damage the relationship. But I've been studying a lot more about listening and your children will love talking to you. When they know you want to hear about what they say and you ask the right questions. In the area of listening to resolve conflict, for most of us, the only time our home is conflict free is uh, when no one's home or everyone is asleep. Because let's face it, 
human beings living together is conflict can arise relatively easy. They put the milk container back with one sip of milk in it. How many times does that happen to you? Or they leave just enough ice cream in the canister for two scoops with a, with a spoon, not with the ice cream scooper. And it just drives you crazy. Where humans are gathered, conflict is bound to come up in your home, with your kids, with these teenagers that want to be heard and affirmed because they have no control over anything. They don't control the zip code that they live in. They don't usually control the school. Even if you homeschool, some kids you know, want to be homeschooled, some don't. Some want to be in a private school, some don't. Some want to be in a public school, some don't. Those are decisions that mom and dad make, and those are decisions that you know, mom and dad make because they are the parents. But the reality is your kids, especially your teens, don't, don't have a lot of control over their lives. Uh, we pretty much tell them what video games they can play and for how long or how long they can be on the computer. We've got all these parenting uh, filters to try to keep our parent from, you know, face planning and getting themselves into trouble, which is all right. We should be doing that. That is what parenting looks like. Parenting isn't easy and it's not always fun. And newsflash, your kids don't always like it. But the truth is, we're going to have conflict. It's just going to happen. While complete peace and harmony are just a dream, I mean, they really are. It's something we should aspire to, and we're happy when we have calm and harmony and peace in our home. That isn't going to be 100% of the time. Depending on your child and depending on you, depending on your spouse, if you're married, uh, that's going to that's really going to depend, your personalities are really going to dictate that. If you have some strong-minded children, or you're a strong-minded mom and dad, or all of you are strong-minded, or you have uh, passive children who you keep catching doing things they shouldn't be doing because they are very good at hiding things, well, you're going to run into struggles of not having harmony or peace. But that's okay. Because you're going to learn to navigate conflict constructively. And that's what we want to talk about. How do we do that? What does it look like? See, there's an opportunity for you while your teens are at home to learn conflict resolution skills. That's a critical skill that they'll need in every area of their life once they move out of your house. They need it now. But right now, they're still in the learning phase. They're not in the mastery phase. And that education, you know what? It starts with you. It starts with you. You can create the home where you solve conflicts without angry outbursts or vicious name-calling or demeaning sarcasm. Peace is possible, but you can't remain in peace because we are humans and we all want our own way. Let's face it. We want things done a certain way and sometimes some personality types, some personality types within your children, They don't want it that way. So there's friction and conflict. But healthy resolution, it's got to be modeled correctly. And and mom and dad, it's got to be modeled consistently. Conflict must not be pushed aside. It's very easy. If you are a parent who is, um, I wouldn't say soft, but things just don't bother you too much. You, you have an, a, a mindset of, oh, it's going to be off. It's going to be fine. They're just having a moment. 
there's a lot of ways you can identify when your child uh, has angry outbursts or they're frustrated. And it may not, may not bother you too much. You may think, I don't want to deal with it. I just, I'm tired. I'm worn out. Work is driving me crazy. My people at work are driving me crazy. You can't push conflict aside. You've got to learn to resolve it. And it starts by listening. See, conflicts are often the result of a misunderstanding. They're, they're more likely to happen when we don't fully understand where the other person is coming from, or we haven't let the other person speak. Now, in episode 16, I talked about that. I talked about one of the tips were uh, asking your children, set aside time to listen. Ask others if they feel like they have been listened to. See, learning to resolve conflict is a necessary life skill, and it requires a, a fair amount of maturity. Just because you have one child who is doing swimmingly well, um, don't think that all the others, that you've got this parenting gig mastered, because if you have more than one child, you're probably going to have to modify your approach with another child. As a mama of five, I have that. I have five very different children. And I've had to learn over time how to speak into the lives of each child. And I will tell you, you cannot have a blanket response. Because I'm the mom, it may work for a short term, but it doesn't yield lasting results. Because kids need to know why. Why? Why do I need to listen to you? Why does this matter? And if they don't have the maturity or the reasoning ability it's, it's going to make it a little harder. So you're going to have to be patient. The more intentional that you are with listening, not just waiting until it's your turn to talk. Please understand, that isn't listening. If all you hear are the first five words that they say, and you've already formulated a response against it, to it, you're not listening. All you're doing is listening to, to be able to reply back to them. You're not listening to learn. You're not listening to resolve conflict. You've got to teach them how to resolve that disagreement. You've got to be humble. You've got to be teachable. And you have to be interested in helping them. When they watch that, you're modeling it right back to them. It'll help their marriage. It'll help all future relationships. It will certainly help when they're parenting your grandkids. So the, the biggest most effective way to listen to, to resolve conflict is pretty simple. Gather information without overreacting. So write that down. Gather information without overreacting. Think about that for a minute. How many times have you wanted to share something, maybe with your own parent, and you know, you know how the story's going to go. You know what you're saying, what you're going to say and how they're going to respond. You know that about your spouse. You know, if you say ABC, immediately DEF is going to come out. It happens. It happens more frequently than you think. But gather as much information so you can get to the root of the issue. Remember what I said. They want to be heard and affirmed. Many times, learning to work through conflict means first working through hurt feelings and pent-up resentments on their part. Over things such as you interjecting a word 
or a thought or fix it at the wrong time. So before you know it, your simple misunderstanding causes friction and division in your relationship, which is followed by emotional distance. If that is where you are in your relationship with your teens or with your spouse or with others, I want you to get serious about working through that because that wall and that emotional distance is not going to go away. It's just going to get worse. It'll get to the point where no words are actually able to be spoken because they're not going to land on a tender place of anybody's ears. And that has to do with my chapter of monitoring your mouth, right? For those of you who have read it, I, I would encourage you to go to that chapter and kind of pour over that. And if you haven't got parenting beyond the rules, it's not just for teens and tweens. I've had, I've had parents uh, all over uh, write me and just talk about how this just changed. Even though I, I say it's for teenagers, it was impactful for all relationships that they have to deal with. So I would encourage you to get it and kind of read through it and, and do some soul searching for yourself so that you become better listeners, so that you can resolve conflict with others. See, you can, as you consider what, that your teen is changing, they may bounce between rational and irrational comments. The same with if you're going through hormonal issues or if you're going through periods of stress. We've all been under a lot of stress in 2020. We can be rational and then we can be irrational. But our ability to practice self-control in a confrontation, it diffuses potential dicey situations. Sometimes your best response is no response at first. So before you begin to offer any type of resolution, You've got to concentrate on what they're trying to get you to hear. I want you to realize this. What you say is not always what your teen hears. What you say is not always what your spouse hears. You've got to frame your words and your, and your responses, knowing how your words are going to go through their filter, their grid. Everybody hears through their own filter, their own grid things that have happened to them, incidents that have happened in the past. We get conditioned. If I say this, then they're going to do that. And that's a conditioning. If that is a bad pattern that you have, it has to be broken. And the only way it can be broken is by intentionality and paying attention. So you have to realize that not everything you're going to say, you're going to say correctly. And everything your teen says is not going to be said correctly either. Why? Because there are, they are their emotional reasoning has not fully developed and their maturity level has not fully developed. And sometimes yours hasn't either. Think about that. But before you begin any type of resolution, you've got to concentrate on the words that are being spoken and the body language that's being spoken with. The silent language, as I write about in Parenting Beyond the Rules, there's a lot of things, a lot of work, a lot of studies that have been done about the silent language the body language, how you can read what somebody else is saying before they ever open their mouth. If they're even open to what you're going to say, or if they've immediately got that emotional distance and the wall is up and that can happen. And like I said a few minutes ago, if that's what's going on, if that's where you are in your relationships with any relationship, I'm going to exhort you and encourage you right now to make that a point to work through that because it's not going to get better. 
And you've got to also realize that um, it's easier to do when we accept that we don't always respond to everything correctly either. It's your job to guide them through the process. Show them how to forgive by being forgiving. Pursue reconciliation. Don't wait for them to do it. Be patient. When you do respond, speak in a way that they hear and make sure you understand their point of view. Remember that they are more likely to know, they're more likely um, to know what you already think about everything because they've lived with you. So here's some things that'll help you. Don't assume that you know what they're going to say. Bless anybody, right? But especially teenagers. Take time to gather all the facts before you rush to judgment. Don't be, you know, don't interpret what they're saying. Wait, let them finish talking. If that means, you know, writing it down, writing their thoughts down so that you don't forget, then do it. But be fully attentive to what they're saying. And if you forget and you interrupt them, oh, just be really quick to apologize and, and ask them to, to uh, continue talking. I, I can't tell you how many times, even with my adult children, I will still unintentionally interrupt them because I get excited. They're telling me something and I just want to add to it and I get excited. And, or sometimes I, I don't like a direction something's going in. And again, I get excited and I want to talk to them about it or I want to make sure I give them my two cents. Well, keep your two cents because they don't want it. They want you to hear them. Look for the hidden reason behind their frustration. Wait for them or you to settle down before you try to resolve an issue. It'll be wise if you do that. See, a little time apart may help you both. Just kind of calm down. Repeat what you hear them say. And often that is done in, in corporate world. When somebody will say something, you ask them, this is what I heard you say. And you know, why? Why do we do that? Because remember what I was saying, that everybody has a filtration system. It's, it's not what you say, it's what other people hear. You can try your level best to get them to hear what you're trying to say. But you still might miss it. You, you, you might miss it. And you might get frustrated. So just kind of calm down and try again. And when you repeat what they say, you give them an opportunity to say, no, 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 that's not really what I meant. I, I know I said that. Let me rephrase that. And when they rephrase it, that's the phrase you hold on to. Not the one they said the first time. Some people say, yeah, but what they say in a fit of anger is really what they mean. Well, there may be some truth to that, but you're talking about a relationship here, not grading papers. You're not trying to evaluate their ability to get it right on the first try. You're trying to get to the root of a matter and that's what you've got to focus on. And let them tell you when, they've hurt, when you've hurt them or when you've offended them. Here's the key. When you do that, you build trust and respect. That's in every relationship. Don't start your conversation by telling them what they did wrong. They already know what they did wrong. And they already know why you disapprove of it. And they already know your family values. They know your beliefs. They know how you're going to respond, so surprise them. I know I've given. I know I've talked a lot about in a strong-minded child. I talked about not being predictable, 
catch them. It's okay to, to not be predictable, to not respond the way they expect you to respond. Kind of keeps things interesting too. See, when you respond wrongly in your conversation and you start off by telling them what they did wrong, immediately their defense goes up. So ask them to tell you what happened. Ask questions that don't put them on the defense. I know your goal is to get to the heart of the matter, but if you want to get to the heart of the matter, you got to take the time to dig and get there. See, no matter how much teens try to avoid getting into conflict, conflict happens sooner or later. You know, do you remember the time like your best friend made you mad because of a misunderstanding? Or you felt excluded, or they pulled away from you and they didn't, and you didn't really understand why you weren't asked to a certain function? Well, the same thing happens to your teen. And you may be reading them wrong and thinking they're having a problem with you when they're really not having a problem with you, but you've made it about a problem with you because they're not responding the way you want them to respond in the way that you want them to respond without ever thinking that something else may be going on with them. Does that make sense? See, so much is going on with your kids right now. The pressures of social media, we see it. Our culture has shifted. What was okay to say yesterday may be highly offensive to say today. And your children, your children are trying to figure out this minefield of what is okay to say and what isn't okay to say and when I should say it and when I shouldn't say it. And mom and dad, that's hard. That's really hard. The pressure on your kids is greater than you can, you can fathom. And when you add to that a raging hormonal hormones going on with an, a mind that is not fully developed and reasoning's not fully there, or you have a personality type that's just pretty blunt, they say it like they see it, that can get them in trouble. Or you have a child who is just kind of whatever, whatever, it's all fine, it's all good, but they're up against other people who don't have that same kind of mindset, they find themselves in trouble there too. See, your teen's ability to address conflict is a direct byproduct of your example. You are your teen's most influential teacher. Your teen watches and makes mental notes as they observe you. So to become more engaged in equipping your child to handle conflict, ask them questions. What you need to be focused on is, have you gathered all the facts? How did you handle the problem when you found out? Were you slow to speak, quick to hear, as the Bible says? Did you confront with any dishonesty? Did you try to bait them or lead them or make them believe you knew more than you actually knew to try to get them to fess up? It's kind of dishonest. I know there's a temptation to do that, especially if you have a child that has a tendency to exaggerate or you have a child who has a tendency to not be fully honest. Maybe they tell lies frequently and you're always trying to figure out if they're telling the truth or not. I get it. Just don't get caught in that game of trickery and manipulation because what you're ending, what you're really doing is teaching them how to be manipulative and go around things. It doesn't mean you have to be in, directly in their face and say, you know, I know you did it. I, I, it doesn't work, right? We already talked about that. Did you find out? 
if they have something harboring in their heart, some issues they need to talk about maybe with you or maybe with others. Maybe they just need to talk about some hurt or anger or resentment they have with people that they're close with. Maybe it's a sibling. They're irritated at a sibling because a sibling may have said something when you weren't around that wasn't nice or kind or flat out mean or threatening. See, there's a lot that you have to consider before you respond. And look to see what you can do to make the situation better. You know, we can help our kids learn to resolve conflict with others by asking them, so how is it going here? How is that going? Did you, have you considered, like if there's a conflict with a friend, like I just mentioned, if there's a a conflict and asking them, did you contribute in any way to it? Not assuming that they did, but just getting them to think. I've said this to you before, getting kids to consider the possibility that they may have contributed to some of the drama or some of the misunderstanding, it goes a long way, especially if they know, hey, there's always a way back. Just not, let's don't burn the bridge. Let's keep the, bid, the bridge of communication open. But don't be alarmed if their emotions aren't what you would expect or hope for. Yes, I, I get it. It's hard and it's hurtful. But you're teaching them how to resolve the issue with someone. Remember, you want to listen to help them learn how to resolve conflict. You want to listen so you can learn how to resolve conflict between you and your child. And that is, that is a skill. And if you, and I do get, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot of emails after this saying, hey, I'm really struggling with listening. I, I know it's an issue. How do I get better? Listen, listen, go back and listen to these a few times. Uh, get Parenting Beyond the Rules and read that section. I mean, just really read it and think about it and ask the questions. I always give a, a wrap-up section, uh, a wrap-up uh, questions at the end of every chapter. Go through those and consider them and ask the Lord to reveal to you how you can become a better, a better listener and how you can actually help your child resolve conflicts that they're having with you or with others. So you just got to break down the issue accurately without inserting your emotion. You got to consider what might have been misunderstood, whether they have been misunderstood by their best friend or whether they have been misunderstood by you. Ask them and teach them to consider somebody else's perspective. See, that's the art of listening. See through the lens of the other person. Think about how our words may have been interpreted by somebody else as being blowing somebody off or not being or or not mattering or being snarky. Always be teaching your kids to move toward people and not away from them. See, they'll miss out on personal growth if they don't learn the skill. But to learn the skill, they've got to be humble. And they've got to admit wrongdoing. And right now, in their world, in your child's world, humbleness, admitting any wrongdoing, is a very, uh, our society is lacking character in humbleness and admitting wrongdoing. We want to blame other people. Don't let your kids get caught in the blaming. It's always somebody else's fault. And if you're the parent, and your kid's telling you something, you be slow to blame the other person as well. Doesn't mean you don't take your kid's side. You do. But you also have to realize that sweet little child that you have 
could possibly have facilitated some of what has gone on or gone wrong. So you just don't want to be too busy. You don't want to, uh, you don't approve of like when your kids, when they want to share something with you and your child doesn't talk to you. You know, I've had, I've had kids now for over 30 years talk to me and these were some of the responses that they would say to me. My parents are too busy to talk to. My parents don't approve of my friends. They don't approve of me. They don't listen. They show their actions. Uh, they show their actions that it's never a good time to talk, which kind of goes in with they're too busy. Maybe they got work to do in the evening when your child is able to talk, but you're just your 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 body language communicates. Hey, I don't really have time to have a conversation with you. That's what your kids are picking up. That you talk at them. And then it always turns into an argument that you get mad, that you correct them in the middle of the story to make sure they have their facts straight. Are you going for facts or the relationship? Facts matter. Yes, they do. But facts aren't going to matter if you don't have a relationship because they're not going to listen to your facts, right? A lot of kids have told me their parents just simply don't care. And I know that if you're listening to this show and you know me and you've been following me for the last you know, 30 years or so. I know that you do care, that you are trying to be, you are trying to walk rightly. You're trying to love the Lord. You're trying to build a strong family. You're trying to be equipped to, to do what God's called you to do. You're, you're trying to learn how to be better, wiser, more discerning, more humble. So I know that you may, those may, those, those characteristics of not caring may not be true of you. However, be careful of what you're communicating to your child. You know, sometimes, you know, people will think, oh, Connie, I, I don't have time to be available every time my child, especially if you have a chatty child, which I was, I was the chatty child. I wanted to talk all the time. I have kids that don't want to talk, that rarely want to talk. They're very internal processors. And they also don't want to listen to me talk all the time. But when they do, and if you are truly busy at that moment, here's four things you can do. You can say to yourself, or you can ask your child, is it urgent? Like, Mom, I got to talk to you. Is it urgent? Is someone hurt? Can it wait until later in the day? Is there something I should do to help? Gather that information. And obviously, if nobody's hurt, if it's not urgent, if their life isn't falling apart at that very minute, then you can ask them, can you give me 20 minutes to finish this project? Or I've got a, I've got a call to make and it'll take me about 40 minutes. I have an errand to run. Can we talk at... X time. They know that you've heard them. They know that they matter to you. And they know that you want to hear them. Guess what? Most of the time they'll be like, yeah, I understand, mom. That's fine. Yeah. But here's the deal. If you do that, then don't make them remind you. Because that communicates they're not really that important. Their issue, whether you think it's silly or not, is not that important. It's not worth you having to come back to them and say, okay, I'm ready. Sometimes you'll come back and say, okay, I'm ready to talk. And like, oh, never mind. I already worked it out. 
And at that case, you just sit there and say, great, that's wonderful. Okay, well, just know I'm available if you, you know, if you have any extra questions that you want to ask. When you do that, you're actually solidifying and strengthening the bonds of your relationship. They're learning to respect and trust you more with deeper heart issues. And remember, we are going for the heart. If you have the heart, you have influence. And you do have more influence in your child's, especially your teen's life, than the world will want to make you believe. But you're going to have to not assume that you're always going to have that because there are many And I would say the enemy definitely wants to put a wedge in that. So you're going to have to be diligent to guard that. So remember those points to ponder as you consider listening to resolve conflict. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.